You're listening to the Coach T Podcast, hosted by my dad. Welcome to another edition of the Coach T Podcast. My name is Isaiah Thomas. Appreciate all love and support from all my wrestling fan- fanatics out there. Hopefully you all had a great time watching the MHSA State Finals and also the NCAAs, which were at the Little Caesars Arena this year. What a great time to be a wrestling fan across the board. I have an amazing guest with me today, the Assistant Director for the MHSAA, Mr. Dan Hutchison. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's the uh, first day of spring break. Uh, I got my kids playing in the other room, so can't complain. Well, if they pop in, that's that's no problem. That's uh, <laughs> that's one of the things that I miss about being in the school is seeing kids on a daily basis and that uh, that interaction. So enjoy it while you can. Oh yeah, no, it's been it's been fun. Uh, they uh, they both are into my my oldest is into gymnastics, and we have like a beam and a bar, so that's what she's practicing all the time. And my my youngest just started wrestling. She actually wrestled the other day at the Myway States and won a match and had a great time. Um, but they're always doing different things, whether it's like drawing or or playing, uh, you name it. They're always active in something, and uh, they stay out of trouble, which is good. Yeah, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, keeping them busy, keeping them engaged, keeping them active. Um, you know, that that's a huge belief here at the, the MHSA is, you know, that multi-sport participation, you know, being well-rounded. And, and that's something that we push all the time. I pushed it with my kids and uh, something I'm happy to hear that uh, you're doing at your house as well. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. So uh, the first time we were just, you know, like most things with the, the interviews, we kind of talk shop a little bit and I had mentioned to Dan, the first time I believe that I ever met him was my freshman year in high school. My high school, Lansing Everett, hosted the dis- the individual districts, and I wrestled one of his wrestlers in the first round districts and won my first match four to one. I was so excited. I'm like, man, I'm going to go to regionals and didn't realize I needed to win two more matches because that was the single round elimination to get you into the round of eight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Crazy, crazy things happen because I actually ended up winning – I think I won two matches that day too and, and, and didn't make it through. So, um, and then the next time I met Dan is when he got into his role, um, working with wrestling through his uh, position as the assistant director after Mark Ewell, who's a person I know very well and worked with him for a long time. Um, and, and the ideas that, that Dan and the, um, partnership, between the MHSA and the Michigan Wrestling Association, some of the things we've been able to do the last five years is just amazing. From uh, teams hosting team regionals that actually won their team district to seeding the top four regional champions at the individual state finals to girls wrestling uh, this year being at Ford Field with the boys, being that fifth division. So, so many things have, have moved. And a lot of it has to do with the leadership we have in place. And, and Dan, you're one of the big pieces of that. So I really appreciate what you've done over the years. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's been a great partnership, uh, you know, with the Coaches Association. And uh, like I said, we just we look to get better and better, you know, each and every day. Just uh, it's that same wrestler or, or competitor mentality. You know, you want to get a little bit better every day. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. So tell me, Dan, how did you get involved in this great sp- sport of wrestling? <laughs> Well, I, I probably started in around fifth grade, I think. Um, you know, I just, I remember coming home. I think I had a flyer and said, this is something I want to do and try. And, and uh, 
you know, my parents said, okay, well, you know, it was just an, another way to keep me busy. Uh, I think I took first or second at my very first uh, uh, tournament that I went to and I was hooked, you know, I got a little medal and, uh, uh, you know, from years of playing baseball and football and all that other stuff uh, to actually get something, you know, for your work, it was like, wow, this is, uh, this is, this is pretty neat. I kind of like this. So that, that's pretty much where it started. Okay. Now, if I'm right now, you went to Holt, right? Yeah, so I graduated from Holt, um, you know, and again, wrestling for me in high school was, you know, kind of something I did between football and baseball and, and everything else. And, mm. and uh, you know, it was, uh, I didn't think it would lead anywhere until probably my senior year when I started getting calls from, you know, some college coaches from, uh, you know, I think Borelli was at Lake State at the time. And uh, I got, you know, some calls from Michigan State and, and uh, Chick. Uh, from central came down to visit me at the school and i was like huh this 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 could really happen i could do this at the next level so it was just it was just kind of a uh, eye-opening experience for me um came up a little bit short my senior year uh took third uh kind of lost a heartbreaker in the semis but honestly um that's probably what fueled me to keep going um you know you see a lot of kids they, they win that championship and they're they're the uh you know kind of the big fish in, in the small pond. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I felt like I had some unfinished business and that's kind of what kept me going uh, to the next level. Uh-huh. And where did you end up going? So I ended up going to Ferris. Um, you know, it's just, it's kind of weird how you end up somewhere. My older sister went there. And when I was younger, I went to a wrestling camp up there and I, I liked the coach and I liked the guys on the team. Uh, they had the curriculum that, that I wanted to, to kind of get into at the, at the time. And it, it was really the right size school for me um, academically. And, uh, you know, it was just a good fit. It was a good fit, fit all around and uh, uh, really worked out well for me in the long run. Nice. nice. So what did you end up getting your degree in? So I got a minor in social sciences. Um, I think I have an associate's in uh, graphic arts and printing. And uh, my bachelor's was in technical education. So that, that was my degrees at Ferris. I ended up going to graduate school at Michigan um, with a, a master's in public and educational administration as well. Okay. So after graduating from Ferris, where did that lead you to next? Well, you know, it was, I guess it was kind of a long road there. You know, when I was in college, I was a three-time All-American, a two-time academic All-American. And it really opened up a lot of doors wrestling did for me. Uh, you know, we wrestled pretty much. So we got to see a lot of coaches uh, during that time. I think my junior year, um, I ended up beating the uh, defending national champ from Iowa, like 10 to five out in Las Vegas. So I was on the radar uh, for, for a, 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 maybe some, some uh, postgraduate wrestling potential, I guess I'd say, especially because Ferris was such a Greco school. Um, I think after I, I graduated, I went out to University of Nationals and had a pretty good tournament, uh, and that was out without really training a whole ton uh, mm-hmm. while I was doing it. I beat a couple guys that were out at the training center, so then uh, I got asked uh, to move. Hey, why don't you come out here to Colorado Springs? Uh, we think you could be a pretty good Greco guy out here. And uh, at first I said no. Um, you know, I had wrestled, you know, f- basically you know, four years in college. I redshirted a year, so I, I helped out a year as well after that. 
and uh you know you, your body gets kind of beat up and it's like well you know maybe it's time to make some money and and grow up <laughs> right. and uh you know i went home and kind of talked with my mom and she says you know whatever you decide is fine but she says whatever you choose just don't be one of those guys that uh is that coulda woulda shoulda guy you know well i could have went out there i should have went out there that kind of thing she goes whatever you decide to do we'll support it but just don't look back uh with regret so i said well you know you're right i'm still pretty young um, so I moved out to, to Colorado Springs and, and lived out there and, uh, you know, trained out there through, uh, the 96 Olympics. <laughs> nice. What was it like being in that environment? Cause at that time, I mean, you got Kevin Jackson, Townsend Saunders, I think Zeke Jones was just on the kind of the tail end there. Um, and, uh, less gutches. I mean, you just had some really talented American wrestlers during that, during that cycle in 96, Kurt Angle. I mean, they're all coming up to me, and the, I can see the Brands brothers, and um, God, what was um, I can't think of his name. Guys, he was Kendall Cross. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, and see, and most of those guys are freestyle guys. Freestyle guys. So when I moved out there, it was uh, the um, Greco-Roman was out at the Olympic Training Center training full time, <laughs> and uh, that was really the heyday of Greco-Roman in the U.S. That's when really. Um, we were winning medals at the national level, placing at the team level. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the room was insane. You know, my workout partners um, from oh, Matt Lindland, who was a silver yep. medalist, to, um, you know, Randy Couture, to, um, you know, Dennis Dan Hall Anderson, was in there. <laughs> Dennis Hall, Jim Grunewald, you know, Chris Saba. Uh, and, and the crazy thing is Ferris had more guys out there training in Greco than any other university you know you had uh-huh. dave saravchuk jeff shearing and myself and then michigan in general i mean you had kevin vogel out there with that was tearing it up um it was uh, it was uh it was just it was pretty amazing you know you had the best of the best plus you had the military guys coming in uh and training and you know we're wrestling all over the world and seeing the best competition in in the world so it was um it was uh like i said it was a uh, an exciting time it was like going to college without going to class, if, if you can imagine that. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and, and you were getting paid to work out and uh, compete at a high level. So it was, it was, uh, it was an amazing time. Mm-hmm. So what, how'd you end up at Howell? <clears throat> so after the 96 trials, um, I was, I was getting ready to leave the training center. My coach, uh, Anatoly Petrosian comes up and he's, you know, he's from Azerbaijan and, and uh, he, he said, uh, he goes, Hatchson, he goes, 96, you should make team. He goes, 2000 for sure. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I can put my life on hold for another four years for nothing is for sure, uh, especially in wrestling. So I, I decided to come back home. Um, I started teaching and my, my first teaching job was in Detroit. I actually taught at a career center, like a lightly career technical center. And uh but they didn't have any sports, you know, and, and I knew I wanted to coach. I knew I wanted to get back into wrestling. Uh, so during that year, I was, you know, contacted by the principal at, at Howell at the time, Chuck Briner, and said, hey, I'd like you to, uh, you know, think about coming here and teaching and, and uh, taking over this, this, this wrestling position. So uh, ultimately, that's kind of how I came back home and uh, started coaching back at Howell. Yeah. What would you say was the biggest challenge for you being a high level, you know, world team, Olympic team, hopeful athlete to coaching at the high school level? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. Um, 
honestly, when I look back at it, I feel sorry for uh, the kids that were on the team that first year because I killed them. Um, we worked so hard. Uh, you know, I had guys like, uh, you know, they'd been through the program and they had worked really hard. Guys like, you know, uh, Matt Culver and Chris Treeweller and Josh Shue and, and uh, Goslin and those guys. They, and, and they were super tough guys. But, man, I, I took them through some insane workouts that looking back on it, um, they probably weren't ready for that. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I always used to think is I didn't want kids to look back five years down the road and say, you know, I, I could have been better if you'd have pushed me harder. And mm -hmm. I would constantly tell the kids, I'm not going to ask you to do anything I can't do or haven't done. And back then I was doing everything with them. Um, so um, we, we worked really hard, but uh, it was pretty amazing that that first year we kind of came out of nowhere and uh, beat an undefeated, undefeated team at uh, at team regionals. And we actually made it to the, the team state finals again, kind of coming out of nowhere. And it was one of those things where it comes down to, to heavyweight and we win in overtime. But really, I mean, that match was won at uh, 145 with the freshman that spent the whole match on his back uh, and he <laughs> didn't get pinned. So yeah. it's, uh, it's just kind of crazy how some of that stuff works out. Mm -hmm. Now, during how long did you coach at Howell? Boy, it wasn't very long. I'm going to say my first year where there was like the 97, 98 season and then mm -hmm. maybe through 2004. Um, you know, I was sitting in class and, and my superintendent came in and asked me what my goals were. And he said, uh, you know, I, I want you to be my athletic director. And I was like, wow, you know, I did, didn't see that coming. Um, but when I kind of transitioned into administration um, and anybody that's in administration knows there's so many hours in it. You just you just couldn't do it. Um, you couldn't do it right to coach and do administration the right way, especially at a big school where you have so many events that you have to cover and do. Um, so that's about the time that I transitioned out of coaching. Mm -hmm. So as the athletic director, when you were hiring coaches for your for your teams, what were things that you were looking for um, in, in those individuals? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's another great question. It's uh, I was always really honest with people that came in and I would always say, look, I know you think I'm here and I'll just use wrestling as an example. I know you think I'm looking to hire a varsity wrestling coach. What I would tell them is I'm looking to hire the director of wrestling operations because there's so much more in, in high school than just coaching. <laughs> I mean, you've got a, you know, you got a coach, you've got a budget, you've got to do inventory, you've got to be a psychiatrist, a psychologist, you got to trans, you know, schedule buses, you're ordering stuff, uh, building schedules. There, there's so many things, you know promoting social media there's so many things that you have to do uh in regards to that varsity position that that really coaching is uh but on some days it's the smallest part you know and that's that's probably the, the frustrating part so you know when i when i would interview the people i'd always say that um you know i wanted to see what their plan was uh i wanted to see that they could you know assess their plan reevaluate that plan and tweak that plan as best they could moving forward but, but at the end of the day, you want somebody that's passionate about the sport, that's knowledgeable, that, um, you know, that has kids first and foremost. I mean, one of the things that I would tell all the coaches is that uh, um, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. You know, you could, you could be an Olympic champion, but if you don't care about them, you're not going to get out of them all that they can be. 
you know, you could be somebody that, that was that never cracked the varsity lineup. But man, if you care about kids and you give them everything you got, and, and uh, um, at the end of the day, you'll be amazed at what you can get out of them potential-wise. Oh yeah, most most definitely. Did you always find that um, some coaches, if they were in the building, had easier? I should say easier success. It makes it sound like success is easy, but was their ability to recruit athletes was a little bit easier because they were in the building. For sure. I mean, I, I think every athletic administrator or AD would love to have their coaches in the building. I, I think that's the, the, the perfect scenario. Um, in this day and age, it's just not as realistic. Um, you know, sitting in that AD chair, there was a lot of times where, you know, you'd need a coach for a specific sport and you wouldn't have any applicants. Uh, and then you'd finally get an applicant and, and you'd vet them out, and you'd bring them in and the parents wouldn't be happy because there wasn't all this success. But you couldn't run, turn around and tell the parents, I'm sorry, I only had one person apply for the job um, because then that kind of, you know, cut the legs out underneath that person. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just it's tough. You know, I think back to, you know, when I first started coaching, I taught middle school. Um, and every single kid that came down the hall or that was in my class, I would tell them, man, you look like you'd be a great wrestler. You'd look like you'd be a great wrestler. And they'd say, well, you know, coach, uh, you know, I don't wear spandex. And I would always say, you don't. And they'd say, no. I'd say, well, do you play football? Yep. Well, then you do wear spandex because that's what your pants are made out of. And, you know, you just try to, you know, have that conversation and get them uh, into it. And it was just crazy. Uh, you know, I kind of kid around with Quinn uh, at Howell about this every single year. Every single year, I started with 66 kids. And I don't know why, but it was always 66. It was just strange how it always started out at 66. And we would start with 66, and, you know, most years you'd finish with, you know, 50, 52. Uh, on a tough year, you'd, you'd finish with 45. But a lot of that was being in the building and, in you know, making those relationships with kids, especially at the middle school level, and kind of getting them hooked um, and building that family. I mean, I mean, you know, wrestling is the one sport where – um, you know, I was thinking about that old poster when I, when I was a kid, you probably never saw it, but it was, uh, I think it was Bruce Baumgartner and Tim Banny. Uh, they were standing next to each other. So the heavyweight and the 105 pounder <laughs> and the slogan was anybody can wrestle, you know, <laughs> anybody can wrestle. We would have the kids that, uh, um, you know, were in trouble or the counselors would bring them down and say, this, this person needs some direction. Can you help them? And I'd say, give them to me, you know, we'll, we'll take everybody's. That's one of the things that I miss and, and love most about coaching uh, wrestling. Uh, it makes me think of, um, I interviewed uh, Jamie Smith from Frankfurt, um, who had talked about how wrestling is the kind of sport where you need it more than wrestling needs you. Um, especially for those kids that, that are troubled, they, they need the discipline, they need, they need the family atmosphere of wrestling. How could, you know, because of the nature of it being a combative sport, you need somebody to pick you up good or bad after a win or loss. You know, you need somebody that's going to be in your corner and that's going to push you to be the best version of yourself. So wrestling does that a lot. Yeah. It, uh, it reveals that all the time, you know, and it's, uh, you know, we, we've got a new guy in our, in our office here that does media and, and, you know, you try to explain your sport to people, but they don't really get it. Uh, and, and then he came down to the individual finals this year and, and he goes, well, I think I kind of get it now. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, when we do football or we do basketball, you know, we'll play a game. You know, we'll have like, uh, you know, just say uh, football. We'll play four football games in a, in a day. 
He goes, this tournament's crazy. In, in theory, you've got 25 games going on every six minutes straight for two days. So you've got all that emotion, that up and down that people go through through a whole, through a whole football game taking place every six minutes, just about uh, 25 different places over two days. And he goes, it, it's just amazing, um, you know, th- these events and, and uh, uh, just kind of the makeup of the sport. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah. And it covers so many people. You, you know, you described that poster uh, with Bruce Bongarner and um, Vani. Is that it? I think it was Tim Vanny. He was a Vanny. So They were two freestyle guys, but that was right. back, geez, I'm going to say 80, 85, maybe something like that. So I, yeah, I was even a little kid back then. <laughs> well, it makes me think about how, um, uh, how wrestling kind of cuts across. Like we've had national champions with one leg, you know, or, or um, state champions with no arms, no legs. Like so many different people have found success in wrestling. I don't know if you are able to garner that kind of success in other sports. Um, yeah, I don't know. But- I mean, it's, it's interesting. So like those ribbon boards at, um, at Ford field, you know, of the past champions, Yeah, that's one of the things I love putting together, you know, looking back through, through the history. And so what I'll do is um, I go back every 10 years. So this past year, it was like the, the, the champs from all divisions in, in, in 12 and in 02 and in 92 yeah. and 82 and 72 and 62 and it, it's interesting that um, there was a time where the Michigan School for the Blind was loaded. Uh, it, the, they, the state champs that they had each year was incredible. Look at that. Oh, man, what an opportunity for, for those kids back then to, to not only achieve, but achieve at such a high level and to be a state champion. Um, it's, just, it's just amazing. It shows that uh, the opportunities that our sport provides to many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned I, uh, Larry Powell, who um, was on uh, those teams, talks very vo- fondly about his experience. And, I mean, they won it in Class B, which is a fairly large class in the state of Michigan. And they <laughs> and they were a couple points away from being, like, back-to-back. You know, they could have three-peated in that run from 61 to uh, 63. So, uh, small world. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so now as the MHS assistant director for the MHSAA, what would you say is the, the, your goal in this position? Well, I think the goal is like kind of what we talked about earlier is just to get better and better every day. You know, it's, it's interesting because I'm in in a unique position. I've competed in these events. I've coached in these events. I've been an administrator uh, as an AD uh, and even as an assistant principal back in the day in these events. So I've seen these events from multiple different views and lenses and angles. And a a lot of times, you know, a coach only sees it from their perspective. Hey, I I only want this because that's all they see. They don't, they don't understand it from a spectator's perspective or uh, an administrative perspective or an official's perspective. So um, I, I think one of the things that I bring to the table is, um, you know, just having that well-roundedness uh, of seeing these events, having competed in them, and not only these events, but at, in, in national events at the collegiate level, Olympic-level events, Olympic trials. I've coached at Olympic trials. I've, I've seen a lot of these events uh, at different levels. So I think the ultimate goal is every year to get it better and better and better. And, um, you know, the hard part is what might be better 
uh, what somebody might think is, is better might not be better for the whole. It might be better just for them. So you have to keep that in, in mind as well. So, um, again, just keep steering the boat in the right direction, uh, trying to keep get it better, better, um, make more opportunities for more kids, focus on the, you know, all of, all of the teams, you know, not just the small percentage that uh, uh, are, are elite level. You know, you have to think about uh, the, the other 90, you know, 96% of the teams out there that, uh, you know, how can I help them? How can I help them build their programs? How can I help them to be successful? How can I help them to have a, a, a good experience? Because at the end of the day, if the only way you have a good experience is, is to win a state championship or a state title, not many people are going to be very happy because there's only four teams that are going to do that. And, and there's only going to be 14, you know, uh, you know, per division. So you have to find ways to find success um, other than just, you know, being the champ at the end of the day, a lot of times. All right. Well, Dan, this is the part that everybody loves. The last question It's kind of like the, the last dab on the hot ones um, on YouTube. Uh, what is your advice to those coaches that are believe that believe that they're ready to be head coaches what are some uh nuggets of wisdom that you could give them to have success in their programs well i don't know i mean advice is only good if it if it's sought out and asked for if you're giving people advice that don't want it 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 doesn't mean a whole lot so i guess i share it with a grain of salt and, and and people could take take it or or leave it a couple things I guess I would, you know, reflecting back is, you know, kids aren't robots. If you got to tell them every move like a video game, you're not really teaching them much and they're not really learning a whole lot. You know, I was never a yeller at a, at a competition. Uh, I tried to do most of my yelling at practice. So um, kind of keep that in mind. It's, it's not to control every single move that, that they do when they're wrestling. I would say probably initially kids want, we want our kids to wrestle like we wrestle because that's what we know. Um, I kind of had to figure out over some time that you got to let kids find their styles or moves that work best for them. And then you cultivate that and you enhance it with great work ethic and enthusiasm for the sport. It's really hard to make somebody wrestle just like you. They got to wrestle like them, but then you can give them the tools to, to, to be successful. And again, um, that, that great work ethic and enthusiasm is something that if they have it, it doesn't matter what their style is. They're probably going to be successful. We talked a little bit about um, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. Um, to me, that's thing. You got to care about kids and and their well well being. And if you do, they'll buy into whatever you have to say. And then, I guess I would say is is have some fun. You know, when I look back to. Um, you know, when I was building my seasons and things like that, you know, of course, in the beginning of the year, you got to put in the hours, you got to put in the time, you know, it's probably a, a two, two and a half hour practice to start because you're doing technique and you're conditioning. You, you dial it back a little bit as the season rolls on. And then at the end, I mean, literally, we would have 59 minute workouts. I'd put 59 minutes on the clock and I'd say, look, if you guys do everything we ask, we'll be out of here in no time. And the goal was I wanted the kids to feel fresh. I wanted them to have some fun. Uh, as you know, in the wintertime, I wanted them to come outside and see the sun actually up and feel good about themselves. Yeah. But, but build fun into your, into, your, into your practice. Like when we did preseason conditioning, everything was a competition. Even if we did fundraising, we went out in teams, you know, pop can drives. It was the, um, 
the sea fresh versus the juicos. And that was the seniors and the freshmen versus the juniors and the sophomores. And we would pair them up that way because I wanted the freshmen to have good connections to the seniors. And I wanted the, those middle classes to be together. But everything was a competition. Even back back in the day when um, all, you know, we would listen to CDs and practice. Well, yeah. each team had to burn a CD and they would get points for who had the best CD. And we'd listen to them throughout the year. <laughs> everything was fun. Everything was a, a, a competition. And it wasn't fun like, you know, uh, it didn't mean anything. It was competitive fun. Um, so looking back, I'd say build your plan, uh, have a plan, stick to it, build some fun in there. And uh, like I said, keep in mind that, you know, most of, most of those kids are not going to compete in college, um, but that doesn't mean they can't have a great experience in this sport. And uh, hopefully they pay it forward to somebody else down the road too. Well said, Dan. Well, thank you. I appreciate you being on and giving uh, those words of wisdom to those coaches and really appreciate what you and the MHSA has done uh, along with our Michigan Wrestling Association Coaches Association to really build wrestling to where it's it's on a very positive trajectory. And I'm always from the wrestling standpoint. I'm I'm sure you do that in all of these sports throughout. Um, but from from my as a as a wrestling um, curious, I love the things that I've seen over the last five to ten years of how it's grown and how we're doing things. Um, different to keep kids in the sport, the retention. And like you said, it's all about having fun. Uh, people don't care what you know until they know that you care, which is a very nice. And going from being the sage on the stage to the guide on the side, as my um, Dr. Gould, my teacher yep. education professor, told me at Saginaw Valley. So I love it. Well, <laughs> and, and, and I love uh, the perspective that you bring. I think these podcasts are, are awesome. And not only that, I mean, you've served on our, our wrestling committee through the MHSA, and I really appreciate the perspective and your knowledge base and your background that you bring to those meetings, too, because that helps us get better as well. So um, uh, the, the perspective that you bring is awesome, and it, it can only help to, to uh, get us better. So I appreciate you and all that you do as well. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate the kind words. You have a good day. Enjoy the rest of this 35-degree uh, day. All right. You too. Take care. <laughs> yep. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Coach T Podcast by my dad.